0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to
1: your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He didn't... Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled it. champion. Bernard feels it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Geo at the 35. Geo. He's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Geo. He's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough.
1: Tough
0: Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to do a little thing that we do here at WFNZ. If you guys did not know, if you guys have missed that news here in the offseason, the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, as well as the Four Corners Podcast, is now officially part of the WFNZ podcast family. And so, uh, we, we you know, so far this offseason, mostly for Panther stuff, uh, we have been doing a thing we like to call rate the rankings, which is basically looking at the offseason rankings that come out these are something that are extremely popular with college football. It's kind of twofold. You have you know the rankings themselves, and then you have you know the different magazines that come out each and every year. And we're not really going to focus on the magazine stuff because uh, there's just so many different roads you could take that. I'm trying to get some of these guys on to explain, you know, where they have Carolina and everything like that. I've already told you about, you know, some of the guys that have made – uh, the preseason All-ACC list, uh, as well as the preseason All-American list uh, for some of these different publications. So we're not really going to focus on that. Instead, we're going to focus on the list. There's, you know, power rankings list, there's Heisman odds, uh, there's quarterback lists, there's coaching lists, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that today on this edition of the podcast. And this happens because, I kid you not, I was told week, uh, a week ago, keep in mind, me, fully in recruiting mode here with Carolina, you know, landing a lot of guys on the 2024 trail just coming off the big month of June. Uh, so I'm always, I'm always in college football mode. Like, it's just part of it. Um, Josh Marlowe, who hasn't been on the podcast in, in a little bit because, look, recruiting-wise, Carolina's been doing some things. Outside of that, it's been pretty silent. So, you know, he's kind of just been sitting in the background, hanging out, taking a summer off, recharging. And a week ago, he says to me, I don't know how y'all are talking college football, man. I just don't feel that itch. Well, he comes in today on the day of recording and says to me, I've got the itch now. So now we're back. This was actually his idea. So if, it's, if, it, if it goes horribly, just blame him.
1: But well, that's gonna happen anyway.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I blame my supporting cast. This is gonna, this is, this is a huge test. All right, this is like what Carolina is gonna face at the end of their schedule, at the end of this year. So can I complain about Are it? Are you gonna be like the offensive line was a year ago and completely fall apart and leave me? This shows Drake May. Wow. To suffer if you let me down. Or are we going to step up to the plate and knock this one out of the park? I have confidence that this is going to go very, very well. Um, but yeah, no, it, but, but it's, it's good to have you. It, you know what? I welcome you with open arms. Welcome to the people that are excited about college football. It took you a while, and I understand there's a lot going on. No, I mean, like, NIL, I always get Transfer excited. portal,
1: it just... conference
0: realignment, but welcome in, baby. You
1: welcome know. in. It, it It usually oh. takes me till the week of now because college football is they've made it a three hundred and sixty five day sport. Mm-hmm. I think one of the beauties in and what makes college basketball so great is it's not like you have your season, you have the first month or so of the off season, then it kind of goes into hibernation. But
0: I do i I gotta tell you, I am a little jealous of you at times when it's like, yeah, I haven't written an article on the website because there's nothing going on for the last, like, two weeks. And I'm over there like, yeah, I wrote, like, four because there's so much stuff still going on in the yeah, off season.
1: Yeah, I mean, but 40-game previews, all good, recaps, all that stuff, I kind of make up for okay, it. Okay, I'll give you that one. You I'll know, you that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I got called into our, our 10 to our 10-12 to show to talk some college football rankings. When I got and oh, go. I was like...
0: I believe it's uh, Charlotte Sports Today, prestigious sports program, by the way.
1: It Make was sure you guys tune in. Especially when I was on well, there that's for the for like, like eight I mean, minutes. I, when
0: you were on, I heard rumor says, and don't tell me how I found this out because this was earlier today. Uh, ratings through the roof. I mean, we're talking Chicago street course ratings uh for your segment on the Charlotte Sports today. Just broke broke the meters. People couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun. When I got done, I was like it's like damn. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Oh, I thought you were saying, "Damn, I did a good
0: job for no, once." Well, um,
1: and then I was like, "You know what? It's time." I'm, because like and like part of this is my my return to baseball. Like, I'm a big baseball guy. I, I watch 162 Met games. I watch... So do I. I, I watch... A, but, I, I mean, I watch a lot of other games. Like, if the Mets don't play, I'm still watching baseball. Well,
0: you're also you're also in Mets writer mode now as well, uh, yeah. which is different from I years also, past.
1: I also write about the Mets, host a podcast about the Mets. There you go. So, like... Humble, I, I, humble brag. I get very consumed in that, but, like, you know, this is still a sport that I that I love. And it, it's still a sport that made me do the job that I do now. And so... Um, and usually like growing up in July, my my butt was ready. Like I was ready for the season and was getting all the preview magazines and stuff like that. Had a video game most years that you could play. It's coming back next year. You'll be you'll be ready to play and stuff it, it, it like that. It officially is now, by the way. So, so yeah, you can um, get excited. And yeah, and I mean I I I think You know, I think someone bought season tickets today, or at least he was supposed to. Um, I am am waiting on a (laughs) response from
0: one of our guys, and hopefully by the time we release this podcast, we will have a response. Our guy, and if he's listening to this, then you need to respond to the Instagram message that has sent you, since you no longer have Facebook. Our guy, Stevie, he knows who he is. He knows who he is. You know yeah. who you are. Respond, smart. respond, and
1: let us know. Yeah, we want to sit near you. Yeah, smart move by you. So yeah, you can be that's with what our, I'm saying, man. Our, our guy and and really just, I mean, A, support the team, but also uh, just enjoy the the drinking that goes around us. Well, we need we need
0: some commentary. So yeah, we don't really drink much at games because we're we are locked in, like we're in as professional mode as you can be when you're a fan, but at the same time. You know, some of our friends around us like to enjoy some adult beverages and uh, have a good time. I, I personally love it, and in all seriousness, we loved sitting with him a few years ago. It was awesome. We sat with him back-to-back years. Him and his family were great. So we're trying to see if we can sort of coordinate with him and figure out where we're going to sit. But, yes, we have officially decided we are going to exhaust ourselves, again, we are getting season tickets to watch Tar Heel football. And guess what, guys? We are 59 days away from the start of the season. It, it really is closing in a lot quicker than you probably realize. It's a lot nicer than 69. Well, there you go. That's And this is why you haven't been on the podcast in a while. <laughs> You animal. I'm, by the way, trying to get the explicit rating <laughs> removed from the podcast, which, if anybody is wondering, is not going well. I think, I do think it's what is holding us back. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, folks, this is not an explicit podcast. It was one edition, and we have. We have been stuck with that moniker since. Well, I mean,
1: and here's the thing. I, I, I did say the F Bob last year on here. But we bleep it. <laughs> but we bleep it. It's
0: for entertainment purposes, but we're respectful. All right. All right. So let's get in. I told you earlier, we're gonna do the rate the rankings. And what this is the best thing to do when it's right around uh this, you know, 50 to 60 days until the season. Cause this is when these start rolling out, when things really start to get serious. And, you know, there's a few different ones that we're going to go through here. I will tell you, you know, whose list it is each time. And then we'll kind of tell you our reaction to the rankings. Um, I don't really know. This is a Mac and Bone staple, by the way. Don't really know why it's called Rate the Rankings. They don't give you a number of how they actually rate the rankings. But here we are. So let's dive into it. The first one that I think we all saw this uh, about two weeks ago now, was the pro football focus ACC power rankings. They have Carolina fourth. And you may be saying to yourself, okay, it's not bad. Most would probably look at Carolina three to four. Clemson, Florida State ahead of Carolina. Okay, makes sense. The third team is the one that's probably a little bit more controversial in Pat Narduzzi and the Pittsburgh Panthers. At number three,
1: yeah, you know, like here's the thing: it 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 comes across. We
0: bludgeoned them at home last year,
1: yeah, in Chapel Hill. Come on, we did. Come Um, on, I think a lot of that's built in stock to one losing year during his time in Pittsburgh. He's taken. He deserves ton a ton of credit, but come come on. So you know, you look at what he's done in the trenches and stuff like that. So, um, I I don't. I'm not saying that I love it. I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt because they just feel like a team that they're going to win seven, eight, maybe nine games every year, depending on the level of quarterback play and stuff like that. So um, there are other teams that that, could have maybe been been there that maybe would have been harder to argue. Like if you believe Brennan Armstrong is going to have a renaissance at NC State I mean, if, they beat Carolina last year, so yeah. unfortunately, that would
0: be hard to make a case against that. Yes, I agree with that.
1: If you believe in what Mike Elko did a Duke a year ago, maybe you put them there again.
0: You had the to, head-to-head to, to win over them, though. That's so, kind of what um, I'm leaning
1: on. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily hate it. Mm-hmm. And, and like, as as critical as we've been of Mac, and oh, stop it. And we've been critical, and I don't want to walk. We. I, I I think it's it's good for this team to have the quarterback that they have, and still be somewhat. I'm not going to say disrespected under the radar, questioned, questioned. Yeah, because yeah. like that didn't happen two years ago when 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 Sam was coming. You know when they, when they were coming back and top ten team and all they got all the flowers and all that type of stuff. And it, it overwhelmed not just the team, but everyone the program. It seems like. This feels like something that when they show up to fall camp in three weeks, Mac can say, "Look, a lot of people around the country don't believe in you and because of the way you finished last year mm-hmm. let's 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 find a way to change the narrative so th- this could be a motivation factor for a team that shouldn't need any more motivation after the way last year ended, but you always got to find an edge going into the year this This just adds to it well, I mean Mac
0: said, you know. When, when he talked to the media here for his, his summer presser a few weeks ago, he said, look, this team is playing with a chip on their shoulder. They don't like the way things finished last year, which, yeah, makes sense. And, yeah, they, they probably still feel like in certain respects, in something like this, they're being a little disrespected. This is the reason that I would caution, why I would caution putting Pitt ahead of Carolina. They have 11 starters back on the team total. They lose their starting quarterback. Now Phil Djokovic is that that is a heck of an addition. I think mm-hmm. it's probably an upgrade to be honest. I, I I for one, I'm a guy that really likes Phil Djokovic a lot. But, you know, he's coming off an injury at Boston College. You know, the results have been kind of hit and miss with these with these transfer quarterbacks for Pittsburgh. Like the thing is, their most successful quarterback was a the guy they they groomed. They that, that was homegrown in Kenny Pickett. Yep. So yeah, we'll we'll see. They lose Israel Abana their star running back. They still have talent back there, but that's not going to be easy to replace. Um, you know, their wide receiving core isn't nearly as stacked as it's been in the past. Um, you know, of course, without you know, Jordan Addison was huge. They they were able to recover from that last year. Uh, but they still, you know, are not nearly as strong there. And then the thing for me is on the defensive side of the football. And I get it. There probably are going to be guys that emerge along that defensive line. They lose three of their four starters from that defensive line, including including uh, Kalaja Kansi, who was outstanding down there. A guy that, you know, was kind of a middle-round draft pick and started trending up once people saw his tape. And once he you know, coupled that with what he was able to do at the combine, and people said, look, this is another guy that sort of fits the mold of what Aaron Donald did coming out of there. So to lose a guy like that, they lose you know, both their safeties on the back end of their defense as well. They've always been a team where their secondary has been hit and miss. I just, to me, and I know, Carolina, you're saying, well, they lose some offensive weapons. Uh, they still, you know, look at Carolina's defense. I get it. My thing is, look at how good Carolina was last year with a defense that, frankly, cannot be much worse. That's yeah. the reason that that's I been would the argue mantra for a
1: decade. Well, I mean, I mean we look at
0: last year's numbers, especially on you know, in terms of sack percentage, pressure percentage. It can't really get much worse no. up front. So, like, that's the reason why I would argue against it. And I'm with you. I think there's cases for other teams that would be more difficult to argue. I think Pitt's a good team. I think that's going to be a huge test for Carolina early in the year. But to me, I think Carolina should be third. I think they should be ahead of Pittsburgh on this list. Not a bad list, but uh, I would put them over them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely up for, you know, debate or something like that. I see the logic, though. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Pitts are, you know, in these power rankings or whatever – like they've earned the benefit of the doubt because they've been a consistently better program over Carolina, and you know even though Carolina beat them at 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 home last year, you know they they they've never gone there, and of course we don't play them this year, and that that's a different topic. Well, but under
0: Mac Brown, they yeah. they owned, you know, clearly we owned them when Larry Fedora was here. One of the more head scratching things, yeah. is how Larry Fedora was so great against them, but not Mac Brown. Well one thing that a lot of people pretty much agree on speaking of ACC rankings is where Drake may ranks in the aCC and there was a group of quarterback rankings they had you know one that was put out um for just the ACC and then one that was put out of overall quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh from it was it was basically like a graphic that sort of compared the two rankings from NCAAF Nation, which great a lot of people, on Twitter, a lot of people know, at uh, NCAAF 24 um, 7. You're right. Great follow for everything college football. And then Mike Farrell Sports, who is another really good follow, especially transfer portal stuff. Mike and his guys were all over that throughout this year. Well, they put out a set of rankings uh, each with ACC quarterbacks and uh, the overall ones throughout the country, as I was saying, Drake May, clearly number one in the ACC. There's debates further down, but, you know, for us, we don't really care about that. Our guy sits at the top, as he should. I know there was some thought on our airwaves here that Jordan Travis should get some conversation. Uh, no, not right now. I, I, don't, I don't think there should be that conversation. Maybe later in the year, but to me... I'm the guy that thinks Florida State's a little overhyped. I think they could win nine games, which would be amazing. A lot of people think if they don't make the playoff, their fan base is going to be disappointed, but that's neither here nor there. The more interesting one, I think, is where they have Drake ranked nationally. Mike Farrell has him as the number one quarterback in the entire country. He has him ahead of Caleb Williams. He has him ahead of Bo Nix. He has him ahead of Michael Penix Jr., he thinks overall he is the best quarterback in the country. Uh, NCAAF Nation has him number two overall. Mm. So not really much difference, but clearly you can guess who he has over him. Caleb Williams, the defending Heisman Trophy winner. What do you think about where these two guys have Drake May?
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually got into, I'm not going to say an argument, uh, a nice conversation with with Kyle Bailey about this. Mm. Um... I, I watched Drake May play how many games play what fourteen games last year. Uh yes. Yeah. I, I mean
0: you were there forever you watched every game. You so know, yeah. I, I,
1: that checks out. I watched Caleb Williams play his last two years of college ball at Oklahoma and now at USC. Um and it's not by a wide margin. I think Caleb Williams is the better quarterback. Um I, I and there's things that Drake does better than than Caleb Williams and there's things that Caleb Williams does better than than Drake May. you, you know you're talking about a dude that um you know did, did, did some really nice things with a really bad Oklahoma defense and, and and did some nice things there. And then last year I mean had USC on the cusp of a, of a playoff berth his first year out in uh, out in Los Angeles with Lincoln Riley, they add Jordan Addison to the wide receiver core. And like here's my thing. Like I know I know that they lost the Pac-12 championship game, right? Mm-hmm. Um the dude had one leg and he he they didn't lose the game because of Caleb Williams. They lost the game because their defense couldn't stop anybody. You're right. So, you know, I I I I, I lean Caleb Williams. I mean, his his player comp coming out of college is going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's gonna be baby Mahomes. I don't think his arm's as good as Mahomes. But his ability God, no. his ability to make plays, you know, off schedule and stuff like that's pretty impressive. Um, I like his arm just a little bit better than Drake's in terms of the intermediate stuff. I mm. do I do think Drake May's deep ball is better. I think he has better touch on his deep ball stuff. But, you know, I, I, I would lean Caleb Williams um because, you know. I saw him do things on a football field that I saw Drake may do, but I saw him do it just a teeny-weeny little bit better.
0: I mean, can we admit that he had a better team around
1: him than Drake? I mean, that's never not going to be the case at at USC, but he also played tougher competition and played admirably in those games.
0: I mean, I, I I think if Drake May is on that team, they probably make it to the college football
1: playoff. I, I mean, because like, you know, if the we margin of do, error
0: is that thin.
1: Do we want to do the comparison thing? Because Drake May was down 38 to 14 at home to Notre Dame uh, and, and Caleb Williams. But
0: wasn't. again, I mean, his team is is just I mean, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have gotten beat that bad. If, they, if you had USC's defense on the other side, Carolina wouldn't have been pounded into the ground. Like they were in that game. Drake May wasn't the reason Carolina lost that game. No, I'm not, but you were wanting to do the comparison Like he threw thing. five touchdowns in the game. Like, the, I, I, I mean, the thing is, is like... Now, now if you want to look I at Caleb
1: Williams's performance in the fourth quarter of the Cotton Bowl, where his shortcomings allowed them to lose to Tulane, we can have a conversation. The
0: one thing that has stuck with me this offseason, and I forget which NFL draft analyst it was that came on with us, told me – or, well, told us. Why did I say he told me? He told us well, I was on there the show in spirit. Um, that he one, – the one thing with Caleb Williams is that there are a lot of times where he will take himself out of a clean pocket mm-hmm. to try to make highlight real plays. That's the one – and – there was a quarterback that Carolina had a few years ago that did similar things. Now, I think clearly Caleb Williams, I'm more talented than Sam Howell. There's no doubt about that. But um, I, I do, I really do think, I, see, I disagree with you on the intermediate pass. I would say you could argue they're on the same plateau. I think Drake May is the best three-level passer in the country. Yes. I mean, yeah. the, the way he can spread it around through all different levels – and make big plays happen, the control that he has, I think, is outstanding. And for people that will say, well, look at the finish to his regular season. Put Caleb Williams behind that offensive line, and let's see what happens. When you have consistently an average of 25 pressures per game on you, I don't think Caleb Williams wins the Heisman. Am I wrong on that? I'm not seeing it. And and if you're saying, well, look at the way that Caleb Williams runs – that's, did you see the way Drake May moves?
1: That's that's the only thing because I saw him on one leg outrun Utah's defense. I mean,
0: did you see the way Drake May moves though?
1: Yeah, but I he did it on two legs. <laughs> Williams was doing it on one, and, and but I mean I'm with you. Like, but like this is also part of you know like when we have the quarterback conversation, like. Even the greats overcome a, a bad offensive line. It's hard, it's hard as hell by, to by do. By the way,
0: Caleb Williams last year. Who do you think ran for more yards, Caleb Williams or Drake May last year?
1: I would probably say Drake, Drake. because the first, what, six, eight games he was – I know he – did he did he finish leading us in rushing or no? He did, yes. Yeah, so he actually like,
0: led the team in
1: rushing, at least of the returning guys. Right, I and, think, yes, he, he, and I think he did. And there was at one point it wasn't even close. Well... He he was our running offense. Well,
0: and part of that, to be fair, part of that was because there were guys that would get injured. Like, you had the point where Caleb Hood started a couple of games. It gets hurt against Miami, and we never see him again. Like, that was that was part of the issue. There were so many injuries. But the other part of it is that, dude, Drake May just turned out to be a much better athlete than a lot of people gave him credit for. And his legs, his legs impacted the game. So all of the stuff that you need to compare him to Caleb Williams to me, is there. Again, do I think, what? By this is the other thing that people have to realize. When we say that a guy is better than somebody, that doesn't mean that we're saying, hey, man, Drake May is great and Kayla Williams is steaming rear. Like, no, we think that this dude is a hell of a player, but in my, in my estimation, I would give Drake May a very thin edge over him. I think if you put them on the same teams with the same amount of talent around them, I think Drake may edges him out. I think he's the better quarterback.
1: I think we're going to find out this year, and I do think it's going to be. Well, when they meet in the playoff, we'll find out, right? I I do think this will be one of the better draft things, like, you know, quarterback battles when we go through the process. Oh, yes. I um, agree with that. That we've had in recent memory. So I I would lean Caleb Williams, but it's, I mean, it's kind of like by the, like the, like the hair on the top of my head, the, the, the the thinnest margin or so. (laughs) Wow, now that's about
0: as thin as it gets. Speaking of Drake May, let's stick with him right here and let's talk about his Heisman odds. And this was something that came up on the Mac and Bone show, was it last week? Week before? I don't know. The weeks are blending together. It's summertime. Uh, But the guys were really, really fired up about the fact that Drake May was as low as he was in terms of his ranking in the certain, you know, on the certain betting websites, uh, he is not ranked higher than fifth on any of the betting websites in terms of his odds at this point. Um, he is tied for fifth on one of them. That's points bet uh, plus 1,200. Now, here's the thing he's not the, the, the longest odds for him at this point is FanDuel. That's plus 1,800. Mm-hmm. And he's tied for seventh there. Bet MGM plus 1,400, uh, tied for sixth. Caesar Sportsbooks, uh, plus 1,600, tied for seventh, and DraftKings, plus 1,500, which is tied for sixth. I know there were a lot of people that were not happy with the fact that I said I understand why he is where he is. This is the thing. People are going to say right now, they're going to say, well, you just said that he's the best quarterback in college football. Okay, I believe that. But when it comes to the Heisman Trophy, we know that things work a little bit differently. And I got to tell you, I'm not really all that angry at where he is right here because I don't know if it's because I'm just used to this when it comes to the Heisman odds. Maybe I should be more fired up that the best quarterback in the country, in my opinion, isn't higher on here. Or maybe you should be more fired up that the second best quarterback in the country isn't higher on this list. But I think we just accept it.
1: Well, I mean, like, how do I say this without, without coming harsh? If you don't understand why he's so low, you don't understand college football. You look at the sport from the time the BCS came into the sport up until the playoff. The majority of the award winners played on teams that were in the BCS national title game. Or, as I think it was Bill Bender said on the station, it's a playoff award. Only one—it's only it's only been won by one quarterback who wasn't in the playoff that year, and that was Lamar Jackson who did video game type of stuff. Well— And also had No, Louisville. I think it's three. Remember, it's him, Caleb, and— Oh, yeah, because Williams missed it, but that— I, mean, I like,
0: forget who the other one is. And I think year, it's three.
1: Though. You know, last year, nobody wanted to win the Heisman. That was the whole talk around it. Yeah. So— uh, Yeah. Um, you, you, look, you look at the history of the, of the award since the BCS and moved on— if you're not playing for one of the six or eight best teams in the country, you're probably not going to win it. And right now, Carolina isn't one of those teams. Here's the thing, though, is if Drake May leads Carolina to 9-1 and one, and they're playing in meaningful games, like those last two games of the year are set up to be, I would imagine that he's back where he was when Carolina was 9-1 hosting Georgia Tech, a chance to either throw his name in the hat Solidify the award. Well, so I mean on and hell. So, so forth. Yeah.
0: Where he was at last year, most people and and I'm beginning to write the position previews. Most people will probably forget about this as the years go along. This he was legitimately in position to be the favorite. If they came out and did what they were supposed to do against Georgia Tech, they he would have been the, the game betta- just so he would have been favorite. a
1: standalone time slot, so Heisman voters could watch him play. Oh yeah, he
0: he would have been I think the standalone favorite, so, and then things just went
1: wrong, you yep. know. Um, so yeah, like and, you know, when I heard like, and I don't want to be like rude or condescending, I found it comical the outrage because that's that's just how the sport works. Well, I
0: think that's what it is. Like, I think. It's okay to be mad about it, but the, part, but the thing that you have to understand, and look, to me, do I think that it's flawed? Yes, but I think every MVP trophy is flawed. Because if you're talking about the most valuable player to a team, well, that's a different thing than the best player in the league. Now, for the Heisman, that is the best player, but the thing is, is that the best player doesn't always come from the best team. Yeah, no. We've seen it before. It, RG3.
1: I mean, yeah, but like you look, you look at what he did. How do you not give that guy? Because like a lot of it is where your team is, and look what what RG three did that year. Heisman worthy. Mm-hmm. He had Heisman moments, not just moment. He had. I mean, it was it was multiple moments where it, it, the game against Oklahoma on on Saturday night, on on Saturday Night Football really sealed the deal. Look at Johnny Manziel went into Alabama. Um, had a botch snap, runs around in, like, circles and throws a touchdown, had other moments where he was the best player in the country. And, I mean, to be
0: fair, Drake had some moments. I mean, the throw against Duke, the th- the, the unbelievable throw, one that just – I I don't think it's enough credit. The throw that he made against Miami to Josh Downs. I mean, there's there were plays like that where it made sense. But, yeah, I mean – and, look, that's the thing. I'm not arguing that last year – he should have won it. The way he finished, and that's part of the reason he is where he is too. Because the way that he finished the season, that you are not winning anything with yeah. the way you're playing at the end of the year. Now, do you agree with me on this? I I have issue with some of the guys that are ahead of him. Some of it's the, the margin. Like, to me... I don't understand how Quinn Ewers is so far ahead of him in some of them. I get, look, if you if you think they're really going to be better than him, which I think is laughable, I don't think Texas is going to be this this great team this year. But if you believe that, okay, for him to be, I mean, third in every one of these, that's that's mind-blowing to me. But yeah. the ones that drive me insane, how the hell is Cade Klubnick ahead of him, man? and you could say whatever you want well you know look at he he beat drake in the acc title game no his team beat drake in the acc title game he played well but what would drake's numbers be if he played a defense as bad as carolina's defense in the title game
1: yeah I be mean, a lot different right this is where you got to be able to allow nuance to exist in the conversation Look where Cade Clubnick plays. He plays at the best program in the ACC. But these are preseason um, odds. You know. Another one,
0: by the way, and you're going
1: to probably get mad about this
0: one. How is J.J. McCarthy ahead of him? He's not even the best player on his own team. No, he's not. And and Blake I, Corum should be ahead of him. Come I, on, man.
1: I, I don't. As much as, you know, I'm a secondary closet Michigan man and I love Jim Harbaugh. Well, when you
0: tell everybody, it doesn't really, I don't think that's really how being a closet fan works. Yeah,
1: so like, you know, I, I, I love seeing J.J. McCarthy do things for, for the Wolverines and stuff like that. Eh. I understand why Nicks in there. I think he is going to take the college football world by storm. Yeah, you I, and me disagree on that I one, think but. I think Garrett Riley is going to unlock his, his his true potential, get the most out of him. Um, and I think Clemson is going to make its return to the college football playoff in, in, in pretty stellar fashion, and he's going to be a big reason why. So, I, I mean, that's why. Like, because it's Clemson, they've won two national championships. You know, they're still looking for a Heisman Trophy winner. You didn't get one out of Watson. You didn't get one out of Trevor Lawrence. You, you know, so that, I think that's part of it, too, is that there's a narrative around that quarterback position with that program. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's it's nuance or stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, now I would have Drake ahead of him, but I understand why Clubnick is going to get the preseason hype. And I, Well, think, it's all projecting is yeah. basically what it is for a lot of these different guys.
0: That's why you see guys like Brock Vandergrift. Kyle McCord. Now, McCord looks like he's going to win the job. But there's certain quarterback battles. Like, Alabama's got two quarterbacks on the list. You don't even know which one of them is going to be the starter. Yeah. Now, they're not ahead of Drake, luckily. But, like, yeah, that's the maddening thing. But, yes, I think in, in terms of his overall where he stands, I think that's just kind of – that's the nature of the Heisman Trophy, man. It sucks. You could argue against, you know, who it, it, does it really go to the best player in college football? But it is what it is. The last one that we'll do here is the CBS Sports ACC coaching rankings. And these ones actually just came out here uh, earlier this week. Yeah. And you've got Mack Brown. So we'll, we'll talk about where he stands both in the ACC and where he stands overall. He's fourth in the ACC. And again, I, I, I mean, I don't know. There are probably going to be people that are mad about this. I don't really say that to me. You should be thrilled that he's fourth.
1: Yeah, he's too high.
0: I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I think uh, you know me. I ain't putting Dave Doran's ass over him.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, but if you take if you take away the hate for him, you um, know, you know, Dave Doran has built the type of program that I think. And it's hard to like it's hard to utter these words. the type of program we want to we want to emulate, which is a well, consist- I mean, we'd like
0: to be a little bit better with the talent that we've landed. We've landed more talent than they have,
1: but the thing is, is Dave Doran is the key, yes. Dave Doran gets the most out of his roster year in year out. like he played four quarterbacks a year ago, and they were still very competitive. um, so i I, I would have Boren Doran over him. I would have Pat Narduzzi over him because again, Narduzzi consistent winner. Um, he's won an ACC championship. He's taken Pittsburgh to a New Year Six bowl game. Um, and, and to me, like you know, consistency matters because Carolina's just been—you know—you were six, you were you were seven and six year one, not a bad first year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we were all thrilled with seven and six and going to and winning a bowl game. The second year, you go eight and four. You go to a New Year Six Bowl game, um, but there's got to, you know, does that happen in a full normal season of college football? You don't really know. But that leads to a year three, which everyone points to and says, okay, this is when coaches really, because you've got almost your full roster there about with the way you see the turnover in the sport now and all this type of stuff, preseason top ten, a Heisman uh, Trophy candidate and Sam Howell. You go flat on your face and, and you go six and seven. And then last year, Crossroads, you come back nine and one. We're, th- I mean, we're thinking big, and then we, well, we we finished nine and five, and with with no momentum entering the off season. So, um, I I I would have him. I'd have him sixth. Uh, that's 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 where because I think he's, I think as a head coach, he's a middle of the road head coach, and the last decade proves that from his time at Texas, and his time here. And that that national title in 05, while it's a national championship, can only carry so much weight. A, because the sport's completely different from then. It's not the same sport. And B, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just talking out of my ass.
0: It's possible. Most days you are.
1: How many how many people outside of like college football diehards know that Mac Brown coached the team? When people think about O five, they think about Vince Young's run.
0: I mean, I I don't know. I'd I'd give I'd give people and you know, even some of these kids a lot more credit. I mean, they probably realize that have you seen the,
1: the, the kids growing
0: that, up? I mean, they're not bright. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna leave that there. I mean <laughs> I mean, let me just look at, I mean you're living proof, right? Like, I mean
1: just look at the latest TikTok challenges.
0: I mean you're living proof that they're not <laughs> the smartest humans out there. But like I mean, look, it holds it still holds weight, I think, in recruiting. Because yeah, when you go when you roll into his office, you see countless kids that take pictures with the rings, uh, pictures with the you know the actual trophy itself, and they do the same thing with Gene Chiswick, too. Yeah, so like they use it to their advantage. But I mean, yeah, in terms of like on the field, yeah, it, it doesn't. It probably doesn't mean much. Not in this argument. When you're talking about his overall legacy, like if we're doing an all-time coaches argument, yes, then you're going to take that into account. Oh, yeah. But it definitely is different, I think, now. Um, I mean, yeah, I would probably have him fourth or fifth. I, I find it, the thing that I find hard to do with him is it's hard to put him too far down on the list because we say, well, they went nine and five. Yeah, the thing to keep in mind, that's the first that that is the second time since he left that the team has won nine games. I know that's hard to believe because it feels like some of those years, well, Butch had to get one in there. No, he never did. Believe it or not. And now that run was cut short, but still. Yeah. And then Larry only did it once. And that was I mean, he won eleven games. But I mean, we can we can sit back and admit to ourselves that was pretty much I'm not gonna say a miracle. But that was an unprecedented run. Nobody had that one on their bingo card. So he deserves some credit for what he did last year. But at the same time, like to me, if they continue on the path that they did last year, can we even agree if they win if they win double digit games last year, even if they win the bowl game, he's probably securely fourth on this list. Oh, yeah. The fact that they lost four straight at the end of the year is why. You you could argue Doran's ahead of him. Mm-hmm. He beat him in that stretch. I mean, yeah, Narduzzi. I would probably still lean him over Narduzzi, but I think it's I, I think it's very close. You know, you could also argue with Doran. Yeah, great. You know, he's been great, but at the same time, he didn't reach an ACC championship game.
1: Yeah, but 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 Narduzzi has in his one one where yeah, gotten us there. I
0: think that. That trio right there, I think you can make cases for each one of those guys. Where if they win double-digit games last year, it's Doran and Narduzzi just battling it out, and it's Mac and forth. Now, in terms of him overall, they have him 22nd overall in the country. I, I think with the names that are around him, it's probably right. I mean, you've got Norvell, who is ahead of him in the ACC coaching rankings. By the way, the guys ahead of him, I don't think you can argue right now. Norvell, which yes, is a lot due to what he did last year, but we'll see with how great they, you know, they they turn how quickly they turned it around last year, and the expectations this year. It's hard not to have him third. Nobody is putting Mac Brown ahead of Dave Doran, or uh, Dave Clawson at this point. Excuse me. Dave Clawson is doing an outstanding job, has been for years at Wake. And then number one is clearly Dabo. Like, yeah. come on. Um, but when you look at the guys that are around Mac Brown in the overall rankings, we'll just go... We'll go seventeen down because to me, like there is no debate. Josh Heupel is clearly ahead of him. Yeah, like. jo- Josh Heupel is is an up and comer. He's he's going to turn I think Tennessee into a real consistent threat in the SEC for years to come. Number seventeen, Mike Gundy. Uh, they went seven and six last year. That's the reason you would bring this up. Not where they wanted to be, but you talk about a beacon of consistency. Yeah, that's been Mike Gundy, Mark Stoops. 18. Yeah, again, seven and six last year. Still feel like that's that probably makes sense. Norvell is there at 19. Now, the one that I a lot of people will pro, could question here, I think there's to me the one that's right before Mac is the one I would question. Jimbo Fisher is 20th, coming off just a disastrous year. But at the same time, you're talking about a guy. And he still won a national championship within the last 10 years. Believe it or not, uh, it's, very, it's very close to not being within the last 10 years. But still, um, the one to me that just blows my mind here, I don't get how Brett Bielema is right ahead of Mac Brown. I know he did good things last year at Illinois. It's, it's one year. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I would still probably have Mac Brown ranked ahead of him but I think this range where Mac Brown is probably makes some sense.
1: Yeah, um look like like Bielema's uh he's a heck of a coach and he, I would have Mac Brown a- ahead of Brett Bielema, though. Um just because I mean, you know, I he's like like with how do I say this? Well, here's because, because like what like what Bielma did at Illinois A program that's just been dead in the water since Juice Williams took him to the Rose Bowl in 2007 is is remarkable, but if they go three and nine this year, who's going to be sitting here surprised? Nobody.
0: And and they here's the other thing about them.
1: Who's going to care?
0: Great. I mean, they were. it, It was a great story for the majority of last year. Remember that they did not finish the season nearly as hot as they started the year too. So they faded a little bit as their schedule got tougher. And, and and look, I mean, they're playing in the Big Ten East. Like, yeah, it it makes sense that you're going to struggle down the stretch of the year. Yeah, but I, I just, to me, I don't know, man. That's yeah, that's a t- that's a tough one to have ahead of them. I I mean, but there's there's you know another guy that's in that in that same area with them. Uh, Lance Leopold from Kansas. I don't think I would have – I mean, look, again, you're talking about remarkable start to the season. They were 5-0. and But I don't know if many people realize this. That team finished 6-7. and
1: Yeah, you also got to like, remember. They dropped
0: off a cliff. Now, at Kansas, that's tremendous because also- where they were was, oh, man. They were – I mean, let's be honest. If they would have shut down their football program, before last season, before they got Lance Leopold, we probably would have all been like, eh, makes sense. Yeah, and you got to remember so, with
1: the way their collapse ended last year was in large part they lost Jalen Daniels, their quarterback. It's a fair point. Who was named today point. the Big 12 Preseason Player of the Year. Okay, the, that's... The, okay, that might be a little... Ra-
0: okay, that's not for this podcast, but go on.
1: So, you know, that that, that, that explains the, the why, why they fell down. But, yeah, I mean, now like... Because leopold has been at Kansas, what, two years he's been been in Lawrence, maybe it's three. Um Yeah, I think it's I think it's two. You know, it's it's really hard to say. If you if you, you followed his track record, what he did at was it he was at Wisconsin Whitewater in Division Three and then built I mean Buffalo is where he came then from. Then he came went, Then he went to Buffalo, him. then yep. then he's come here. He, I mean, he he is without winning at the same level that Chip Kelly won at Central Michigan with Buffalo, he's kind of this generation's Chip Kelly. Well,
0: and things are going to clear up for him. By the way, Oklahoma, Texas leaving the conference, like yeah, things are going to yeah. things are going to get pretty wide open for him, and he's going to have an opportunity. I would
1: and, caution and, and, and look, Kansas him ahead. just invested five hundred million in their football facilities, so they're going to give him the resources. Oh like, yes, like you're. If he stays, you're going to talk about Lance Leopold building. <laughs> A college football playoff contender. Okay, st- okay. I'm gonna in I'm Lawrence.
0: Okay, that might be that might be a little far. And look, that if, might be a little far. If, if that happens,
1: there's no excuse. We there's no excuse. At that point, I I am going to outer space in front of the aliens and saying, do something with this university. Cause I Boy, I, that's that's interesting. I,
0: <laughs> I would just go to a guy that's ranked twenty fourth on this list and tell him, Hey, I'm gonna blank check you. Let's see what you got. That would be the guy that I think if you're wanting to say who should why Mac Brown should be 22nd, who you would put over him, it'd be a guy. And we're gonna play this team later this year. PJ Fleck. Oh god, I love PJ Fleck. I think he's tremendous. What he's done at Minnesota is
1: outstanding. What would his mantra be if he was Carolina's head coach? Row your ram. <laughs> I don't know. Like,
0: <laughs> hey man, I'd be all, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now. If if he <laughs> comes here and that is his mantra, I will get it tattooed on my butt cheeks. Row your, row, row your ram. Row your ram. That would be worth it. Because, I, dude, I love me some P.J. Fleck, man. That is...
1: Yeah, and he catches a lot of Fleck nationally around the country. Stop it right but, now. You know... But, of- yeah,
0: I mean... but he, Okay, so the ultimate thing, because we're still getting off track here. The <laughs> ultimate thing is... Mac Brown this this makes sense where he's ranked overall, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean for you you would clearly probably have him a little lower. For for reference, Pat Narduzzi is ranked 29th yeah, in the country. Yeah.
1: Like Is Mac Brown a top 25 head coach in college football? No. From a coaching perspective, I would say no. Is You're he, talking
0: about just on-field yes. coaching. Yes, but, but when you is he a top twenty-five
1: else? program builder, and establishing and building a program and and a culture and all that type of stuff? I mean, he's got to be top twenty, top fifteen in you that know, category. So I I I would tend to agree with that. So it this is like the most Mac Brown ranking if they're ever you know like it it it. You know fifth. what? You
0: know what it is, and this is the perfect way to end it right here.
1: These are off-season
0: rankings. Yeah. If I've ever seen it. We're debating about stuff. We literally just talked about how depressed we are going to be if Lance Leopold turns around Kansas.
1: And then he talked about rowing Rams. I also talked about it getting tattooed on my rear end at some point. So, And, dude, did you not catch my, Aaron's, my, my Aaron Andrews uh, reference? Oh, I caught that, and that won't be in the podcast. Oh. So there you go.
0: <laughs> because that is, that is terrible. Um, all right. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, seriously, though, a lot of fun. Um, and, and look, the, the offseason r- rankings, as I said, they are what they are, man. They're literally just for us two morons to get on here and do exactly what we just did. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think we'll see. We'll see what this Tar Heel football team, uh, you know, how they come out. They're, they're going to be tested early. There is no doubt about that you know it it goes back into the conversation of look mac brown the comments that he made before the season there were a lot of people including us here that were fired up about the way that he approached it that we, we weren't happy but at the same time he's right when he says look these this is a tough schedule for carolina you will learn a lot about this team in the first 4 weeks of this season and as i mentioned earlier we're 59 days away and so that means that it is time For some of our favorite articles on the website. Guys, the gears are turning on the position previews for the 2023 season. And guess what? We discussed this earlier today. Not only are they going to be on the website, we're also going to break them down here on the podcast. Position group by position group. And honestly, I feel like more than any other year, this is the year we really need it because there's so many different groups that there's a ton of questions at. You know, there's a lot of groups that I think some people are wondering, you know, can they take steps forward from last year? Will certain groups take a step back? So we're going to dive into, you know, these guys. Also, a lot of transfers, so I think a lot of people still trying to learn everybody that's on the roster, what the depth chart's going to look like. So we're bringing that back where we go position group by position group to break down the Tar Heel roster. It'll be on the website for you guys to read, but it'll also be in podcast form. So don't miss that coming up here over the next few weeks as we get you ready for uh, the start of fall camp, which is right after... I believe it is August 2nd. I don't have the uh, the date in front of me right now, but I remember Mac Brown saying it in his last press conference. Uh, Carolina, and then from there, they will literally have one month, and then it will be here, uh, the game in Charlotte against the South Carolina Gamecocks. One way or another, we're going to have something big here on the podcast, uh, so make sure that you guys are uh, keeping it tuned uh, here and uh, over on the website. That's also one of the places that you can check out the podcast as well. So uh, we, we are going to have uh, you guys covered up until the start of the season, all sorts of great stuff uh, on, you know, the blog side of things in terms of uh, those position previews, as I mentioned, but also some of our other favorite things that we love to do. Um, we have the, uh, we, we always love to give you our breakout candidates, Uh, We'll have our bowl predictions. All that kind of stuff is going to be back this year for you guys, so make sure that you are keeping an eye on that. In the meantime, look, there's still stuff going on around Tar football right now. It's primarily on the 2024 recruiting trail, and we've got you covered with all of that stuff. Make sure you go back, read uh, the last commitment article from the 4th of July. Uh, Carolina landed a commitment from 2024 four-star safety Tyshawn White so we've got that up there for you guys also go back and read all of the latest commitment articles as well as uh, some big time commitments coming up including another four star safety that Carolina is in, is, uh, in the hunt for Kaj Sanders who will commit uh, later on this week so we're going to have you covered uh, with all of that under the football recruiting tab over on the website meanwhile the basketball side of things guys you You know this roster. I mean, this roster is not going to be complete until the team actually takes the court for the first game of the year at this rate. I mean, this is unbelievable. Every time that we think, okay, this is it, there's another name that surfaces – uh, and there is, you know, with Bob Huggins leaving West Virginia, uh, with all the stuff that's been going on off the court for him, a bunch of guys entered the transfer portal. Carolina's talked to a few of them, and they've landed a visit. Make sure you go over to the website. Find out who Carolina is after, blog.com So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hanging out with me and hosting. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.